I'm mailing about with David Crosby, and we are in New York City. How's the tour going so far? Oh, fantastic. He said humbly. <clears throat> it's going extremely well. It's a completely different thing than I've been doing, or that I'm used to doing since I was a kid, actually. But it's going extremely well. Uh, it's completely different than working with a band. Uh, you are just one voice, one guitar. It's really naked songs. You know, it's really about the songs. You, you The words really matter. The Your ability to take them on a voyage, your ability to, t- to tell a tale. You have to sort of, as they say, you know, in theater, break the fourth wall. You have to, like, reach out to them, include them, establish a, a sort of a rapport with the audience. If you can do that, you can take them on a little voyage, uh, work in much finer brushstrokes, do a different kind of work than you do with the band. Now, some of the songs that you've been playing are from the new album, Cross, and some of them are old stuff. So do people react just as, as excitedly as they do for the old stuff, for the new stuff? Amazingly well. Uh, I've been, I'm doing some stuff that's even newer than that record. Uh, I'm doing things that I've just written, and they're reacting extremely well to it. Um, and that's, you know, that's kind of the brass ring for singer-songwriters. That's really what we we want, is to be able to communicate new stuff and have people really like it. But I'm doing stuff all the way back to the things I wrote in The Birds. Really? Which bird songs are you doing? Everybody's Been Burned, which is probably my first decent song that I wrote. So, I mean, I wrote other ones before that, but I wouldn't play them for you. <laughs> There's so many myths surrounding the songs that you've written over the years, and I would love it if you could maybe debunk some of those myths and say if they're true or not. Like, for instance, the song Triad, is that about the breakup of the birds? No, absolutely not. It's about uh, three people making love. Really? Oh, my gosh. It's about what they used to call a menage a trois. They still call it that. Yeah, well, that's what it's about. (laughs) And what inspired that song? Uh, I don't think I better say. (laughs) (laughs) Three people making love, I would imagine. It could have been. could have been. And there's a song, um, tell me if this is true, that you wrote about the... There's always a song you wrote, you wrote about breaking up for some reason, the breaking up of Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, cowboy movie. Is that true? Cowboy movie is. Uh, sort of metaphorically, the story of, of uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young breaking up the first time. We broke up, you know, about once a week. Uh, but uh, it's it's... It's close to being right, you know. At least the characters are there, and uh, I, man, I'm having so much fun singing it. I don't, th- I still don't think most people know, you know, who's who, and I'm not going to tell them. But I had, I sang it last night, probably one of the best times I've ever sung it. It's a, uh, it's, it's really, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a great deal of fun. Why, why did you title it Cowboy? Well, because the terms it's couched in, you know, uh, are of a bandit gang riding back to their hideout after they robbed the train. So it's, it is like a cowboy movie. But you won't say who's playing who and what characters. I don't think I better. No. 
why do you think that the, that you guys stayed together, broke up, stayed together? It's almost like you were married to each other in many ways. Well, you know, that's, that's common fare with bands. Uh, you got young guys, and believe me, if you give a young guy a million bucks, he's going to get in trouble every time. Yeah, I'm talking about you, Justin. Uh, uh, Justin, as in Bieber? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Is that you, do you think that's his problem? He just has too sure, much money? He's a kid with no brains who got, you know, he gave him a bunch of money. Of course he's going to screw up, naturally. It's the first thing that will happen. Uh, happened to all of us. You know, and in a band, there's a lot of egos involved. If You, you wouldn't be a performer if you didn't have an ego. And uh, I know, you know, I certainly was, you know. Uh, and... Um, you know, there's a, there's a certain amount of conflict. There's a lot of camaraderie at the same time. It, it it's a, you know, it's the kind of mix that there is there, and and some of it is good fuel, and some of it breaks bands apart. Uh, uh, I think all bands have had it. Every band I know about, anyway, all of them have had conflict between the guys, and also a lot of cooperation. Now, cooperative effort is what creates the art competitive effort is what creates the trouble now this timing to talk to you is perfect because i'm reading wild tales and i'm learning so much about the, the bands and and graham nash and and whatnot and when you did you read the passages about you yeah i would take it all with a grain of salt a lot of that isn't accurate what do you mean really he's t- he's spinning tales i mean a lot of that isn't accurate okay okay would you say, though, the part about meeting and harmonizing the first time, is that true? That's all exactly true. Okay, so tell us that story. Well, I think most people know it. Um, I had been in the Birds, and Stephen had been in the Buffalo Springfield, and Stephen and I were hanging out together, and I was singing uh, a song of his with him. And uh, I'd met Nash through uh, our friend Cass Elliott, and I brought him over to Joni Mitchell's house, and uh, we were... Stephen and I were singing a song of his, uh, In the Morning When You Rise, that one. We sang it, and Nash said, Hey, sing that again. So we sang it again. He says, Okay, one more time. And the third time we sang it, he put on the top harmony. And I knew right then exactly what I was going to be doing for quite a while. Did you feel right then and there that, as, as he describes it in the book, it was like a magical, mystical feeling? No Absolutely no question, yeah. I'm wondering, how about your kids? Like, I know Stephen Stills' kid, your kid. Did Have they ever harmonized together? I... Let me think. You know, uh, my son James, who's the musician amongst my youngins, uh, uh, knows Chris Stills. Um, none of Nash's kids are musical. They're great kids. Uh, Willie... Road manages Graham on the road the same as uh, as my son Django road manages me on the road, um, but no, I don't think they've ever tried that. Because they both sound so much like you, and and an odd James Taylor's kid sound Ben sounds a lot like him. Sounds exactly like Stephen, and he's really really good. Yeah, I, I met I met Chris. He's lovely too. He's a nice cat. Yeah. So it would sort of be like a second generation. That's <laughs> happened yet in any bands yet, but it could it certainly could. It happens in the movies all the time, right? It like, doesn't mean it's real. <laughs> I was also reading about the song Woodstock and, and the sort of the myths surrounding that. How well, is- you know, Joni wrote it, right? And her version of it is completely different. Stephen took that song and then rearranged it to be a rock and roll song. 
and we had a huge hit with it. Uh, I have a third way that's completely different than either of those ways to do it. That's a good song. And how do you do it? Uh, I can't exactly just uh, show you here, but I do have a different way. What do you remember from Woodstock? What are your memories? Mud. Of course. The helicopter didn't crash. (laughs) I'm really glad that it didn't. Uh, You know, most people who were there, you know, the mind kind of stumbles. You you go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, many. It just, it got so big that it was kind of overwhelming. You didn't really, you couldn't really wrap your head around it. the other thing that's happened is since then, of course, people, uh, you know, have aggrandized it far beyond what it actually was. It was an opportunity for fantastic music to get played. The things I remember about it were that, and this is really an odd thing. I don't think most people think about this. Nobody got killed. At least as far as I know, nobody got raped. Nobody got mugged. Now, I don't think I've ever heard of a gathering that large even religious gatherings, where that didn't happen. So there was some kind of spirit going on there. There was some kind of camaraderie. There was some kind of good thing going on. The image that sticks in my head is of a girl that I saw who cut her her foot, hippie girl, cut her foot in the glass in the mud. Highway patrol officer, who at that time we were very much estranged from the cops, coming and picking her up and carrying her in his arms over to his police cruiser and 20 hippies pushing that police cruiser out of the mud. That will never happen again. I remember thinking it might happen again. And I remember thinking, okay, that's more like it. It was the summer of love, right? The summer of 69. Labels, come on, other labels. I saw people being kind to each other, which is past labeling and into real. And I like that. There's a, so many profound lyrics in, in the new album, Cross, and the song seems so meditative. And there's one lyric that says, I work for peace and the blood still runs. Mm-hmm. And I get chills. I, I get chills hearing that. Yeah. You still feel that way? I do very much. It, it's, you know, I try to write Buddha and it comes out guns. I vote for peace and the blood still runs. Yeah. It's a deep frustration to, you know, people who don't like war. Uh, wars now are wars for profit. They're, they're so companies, big companies can make money. That's what we have wars for now. Uh, and that is a bad deal because we're sending young people that are good people, young American human beings over there in uniform, and they're getting their arms blown off legs blown off, coming back in pieces, and worse, they're getting their minds blown. Uh, I don't know that this is true, but I've been told that every hour and a half, probably, another vet with post-traumatic stress disorder kills himself. Now, what that means is that he saw stuff and did stuff over there that he can't get out of his head, and he can't live with it, and so he offs himself. We're doing that to hundreds Thousands of young people for profit? Are you okay with that? Absolutely not, no. Me neither. Yeah. I'm not. Do you think music can, can make a difference? Music is a great vehicle for ideas. Ideas are the most powerful. Ideas are the most powerful things on the planet. So, yeah, it's possible. 
I think music can, can still make a difference because of its ability to transmit ideas. And we're back. You know, you just um, gave me an idea to talk to you about a musical. Did you ever think everybody's wants to get in on the action now? Did you ever think of doing that? Yeah. Uh, mostly because it would give me an excuse to be in New York for a couple of months. I'd like that. I like it here. Would you want to do something with your own music or get involved in, in someone else's musical? How would you see that play out? I haven't really thought about it that much. There's a wide range of possibilities there. It goes all the way from stuff that is abysmally corny to West Side Story. If I got a chance to do something you know, where I could you know, feel okay with it, well, maybe. Or I might try to put together my own show. You know, I've had a checkered history. It would be interesting, right? <laughs> yeah, I think so. It's an interesting, you know, kind of uh, format. I don't know, man. I have so much already on my plate. I probably never get to it, but... Forgive me, but have you ever written a book? Three of them, yeah. So what was that like writing those books when you wrote them? Cathartic. Very good. I wrote an autobiography uh, and then lived some more life that got a little more interesting than I had meant it to and uh, decided I should write a second one. And uh, did that. Later on, wrote a book with a friend of mine, David Bender, about uh, music and activism. What were the um, autobiographies titled? And was it hard long to come? Long Time Gone. Long Time Gone was the first one. I wrote that with my, my good friend, Carl Gottlieb. Uh, and then years later, after I'd gone through a, a liver transplant and motorcycle wreck and a number of other traumatic events and, and some very triumphant stuff as well. Um, I wrote another one called Since Then. Do you feel you've been given like a new lease on life in many ways? Yeah, over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. I'm an incredibly lucky guy. You've had like nine lives. Yes. You could say that, yeah. (laughs) Which, considering I'm a Leo, yeah, that's probably appropriate. You believe in all that stuff? No. (laughs) Not at all. However, given that I don't believe in it at all, Leos are show-offs, almost unanimously. We almost all are, and uh, you know who knows. You know, maybe there are some character traits. I don't know. I can't prove anything. What do you think are the most surprising things about you that people don't know? I'm alive. <laughs> I think that's pretty surprising. People think no. They don't think the opposite. Well, it was a very close-run thing. I, very close to dying. Very close. Maybe a week away from dying. When was this? Uh, I had hepatitis C, uh, had a failing liver, and I had to have a transplant. Mm-hmm. And just before, just in the last 11th hour, they did find a liver that they could do a transplant with. But it was an extremely close thing. Did you have that feeling that like people sometimes say that their body leaves them? Was that something that happened to you? No. 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 I went to sleep uh, on a gurney and woke up. What happens in that particular operation is you get sicker and sicker and sicker, and you can feel your system shutting down, you know you're going to die. Then you go through the operation, and all of a sudden you go from being sick to being wounded, and you're getting better every day. And that's a shocking transformation. It's very different. So no wonder you feel the way you do. That makes sense, yeah. About being grateful? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Do you also feel like, I'm going to say whatever I'm going to say, I don't care what anybody thinks? <laughs> I've always felt that way. I am a very opinionated guy, and I have absolutely no problem saying what I actually think. Sometimes that makes me be 
you know, problematical to people. Sometimes it makes me be, you know, maybe too opinionated. Uh, I get in trouble with it sometimes. I got in trouble on Twitter the other night by saying Kanye West was an idiot. <laughs> I still think he's an idiot. Uh, I got in trouble, uh, there's a couple of nights ago, saying that, uh, what did I call Donald Trump? I said he was a walking, intelligence-free zone. I need to follow you on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, you should. Yeah, you absolutely should. Yeah, uh, it's. Uh, <laughs> I think he had everybody that worked for him tweet right after. How dare you say that? But he's a great American. I imagine you were sticking up for Neil Young yeah. when you wrote that. Yeah. Uh, Neil doesn't need anybody to go to bat for him. Believe me, Neil can duke it out for himself. He's he's a tough cookie. You know, Trump was completely in the wrong. He had no right to use that guy's song. I mean, come on. He probably knew that. He probably did it so he could get the press. Has that ever happened to you? Is someone using your music without your permission? Yes. Yeah. Bill O'Reilly was using uh, my song, Long Time Gone. And I ran into him at, a, at one of our concerts. And I said, Bill, stop using my song. He said, what do you mean? I said, I don't like you, Bill. I think you're uh, an opinionated bully. And I don't like your politics. And I don't want my music associated with you. And he said, why don't you come on my show and we'll talk about it. I said, I'm not coming on your show because you interrupt people all the time and you're a bully. And I'm not coming on your show. Now stop using my music or you'll be talking to my lawyers. He did. You'd scare me out of using your music. I want to cross you. Well, I just, I, you know, I, I think what I said is true. I totally disagree with him. I think he's an asshole. And I didn't want my music associated with him. He had no right to use it. Didn't ask my permission. So have you and Neil Young kissed and made up? To a degree. You know, I apologized to him. And I apologized to Daryl, too. You know, cause, not because I, it's wrong what I said or whatever. It's just that I shouldn't say stuff like that about her in public. I thought that was completely inappropriate. I apologized to Neil right away for it, like a couple of days later. I didn't think it was appropriate. I didn't think I should have. You know, where do I stand? I'm not, no angel. I'm the one that wound up in prison, not her. But, you know, people's expectation is that, you know, see, I handed Neil a perfect excuse not to do CSNY, and the truth is he wasn't going to do CSNY. He used the excuse, but he, truthfully, he wasn't going to. When we put out that 74 box set, if he had been intending to do CSNY, he would have promoted it. There was a ringing silence from Neil. He didn't say a word about it. Which leads me to believe very strongly that he had absolutely no intention of doing a CSNY and still has no intention of doing it. And I'm not surprised by that at all. Well, isn't it true in many ways that it wasn't even his idea to join CSN, that he was brought in? Yeah, it was. It was. Oh, yeah. So this is another myth. No, Neil had a plan. Neil and his manager, Elliot, had a plan. Neil had his solo record ready. He joined CSNY as part of a plan. He was never like a band member in his mind. It was a stepping stone. Then we went out and played live, and it turned out to be fantastic. We did make a good record, but he made his tracks separately and brought them. But when we went out and played live, it got to be a very risk-taking, very brave, very able band. It was pretty amazing. 
amazing. And I think he liked that. And at that point, there was chemistry, and there was a reason for CSNY to be CSNY. Now, I don't think he has an intention of doing it. Does that make you feel bad, or does it matter? I'm busy. <laughs> anyway, yeah. you know, I'm having a blast making the music I'm making. I'm having a blast making the records I'm making. I'm having a blast writing. I don't think I could ask more out of the universe than what I'm already getting. If it happens, fine. I'll be there immediately. I like the guy, and I think his music's terrific, and I would work with him in a second. It's fun. He likes to push the envelope, and I do too. And I'm sure we would all love that as well. I think probably. Is there a running theme through this new record, Cross? The unifying thing about it is that we picked the songs and wrote the songs. The songs are all stand up as individual songs. They all actually are pretty quality words, pretty quality music. They're, they're, we're proud of them. Uh, I wrote, James wrote, we wrote together. We wrote with our friend Marcus. I wrote with Shane. We, we, we came up with good songs. I think that's the key dividing line between, you know, crap records and good ones, is do you have real songs? Do you have songs that actually say something that are musically interesting? And do you have them or not? After that, then how well you record it and how well you mix it and how well you structure it, those things make a difference. But you have to have the jacks are better. You have to have the songs. So coming full circle, I mentioned earlier that they're meditative, meditative, and there are a couple of songs about time on the album. So was that something you were intentionally writing about? I, I have for a long time. Uh, time fascinates me. You know, I, I wrote a song a while back called "Time Is the Final Currency," which I really think is the truth. You know, I, I think your time here on the planet is the most valuable resource you have, and I came to that from having wasted a great deal of it. I wasted years and years and years and years of time just getting loaded or just getting laid or just being, you know, a crazy man. When I should have been working hard with the tools that I was given to create art. Music is a lifting force on the human race. The same way that war is a depressing force on the human race, music is a lifting force. It elevates people's lives. If you can do it, you should be doing it, not screwing around. So on that note, I'm going to say goodbye and thank you so much. Can I call you Cross? Is that okay? All my friends do. It's okay. Oh, I feel blessed now. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a friend then. Okay. <laughs> thank you. Okay, thank you. Always refreshing. Always candid. Always billing about. Robin Milling delivers what celebrities are saying to you.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.